Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Now, you know there is no secret that John Carlos Stanton has had kind of a tough first season with the Yankees. You know, whether it's the adjustment to the American League or the pressure that comes along with putting on the pinstripes, he has not been himself. Not completely. In fact, what he's been has been a strikeout machine. There have been questions about his batting stance, his place in the order, why he's a noticeably different hitter at home versus that on the road. And to truly become a Yankee, you need a signature moment. And nearly halfway through this season, his only iconic moment in Yankee Stadium was being booed in Yankee Stadium. And it looked like that was going to continue last night against the Mariners as he added two more strikeouts to bring his season total to 98. Meanwhile, Seattle got out quickly. 3-0 lead. They extended that to 5-0 in the top of the fifth. They gave back a couple in the bottom of the inning, another in the seventh, and then two more in the eighth on a two-runner from Gary Sanchez. Of course, that all set the stage for a pressure moment in the bottom of the ninth. Score tied at five. Two outs, one man on. Mariner Ryan Cook on the mound. Yankee Giancarlo Stanton at the plate. Cook gets ahead 0-2. And given that Stanton has been struggling so badly at home, and it's two strikeouts away from triple digits, the outcomes seem like a foregone conclusion. So, if you're Ryan Cook, you've got a couple of options. You could waste a pitch, or three, try to get Stanton to chase something out of the strike zone, or maybe get him to hit a weak roller. Or, or you can throw an 85-mile-per-hour slide piece right over the heart of the plate. You guess what Cook did, and then guess what Stanton did. And the pitch. Driven deep to left center field. There it goes. Signature moment. See ya. A two-run home run. A walk-off. And the Yankees win 7-5. Yes, network with the call. So that came in at 85. It went out at 117.9. It landed about a mile down the road. That was an absolute laser. Now, I could throw all sorts of details at you, like how it had the highest exit velocity of a walk-off home run since StatCast started, or how nobody else in baseball has as many home runs with exit velos above 115 as Stanton. But we don't need to get all seam head and egghead on it. I can tell you how amazing that home run was with just one sound. And it was not the sound of Stanton's bat on the ball. It was the sound of Ryan Cook's scream into the night. That was a signature moment for both those guys. I mean, sure, the home run was great. But the epic part of it was not the ball being smashed or Stanton's trip around the bases or the celebration that awaited him at home plate. The greatest part to me of that moment was Cook's reaction. Sometimes a pitcher knows that a ball is leaving the park the moment it leaves the bat. I'm pretty sure Cook knew that one was gone the moment the ball left his hand because this guy's bent over and cursing in a hurry. That ball had barely gone over his head and he was already going X-rated. Listen again. There's the crack of the bat and the drop of the bleep. And the pitch. Driven deep to left center field. There it goes. Signature moment. See ya. A two-run home run. That was like bam, bam. Two bombs for the price of one. A Stanton bomb and an S-bomb. Truly iconic. Ionic. It was ionic. Ionic. Not just for Stanton, but for Cook. I mean, sure, Stanton gets the walk-off and his first Gatorade shower in Yankee Stadium, but Cook got off the loudest blast of that night. 
And I don't know if we'll look back at the end of the season and say last night was the moment where Giancarlo Stanton truly became a Yankee, but I know for a fact that was the moment Ryan Cook became a legend. I mean, there have been better home runs, but there has never been a better reaction by a pitcher to a home run. And the pitch. Driven deep to left center field. There it goes. Ionic. But as promised, we're joined right now by a cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is a Super Bowl champion. Coming off a season where he had 86 total tackles, 22 passes defensed. He had three interceptions last season, six tackles, a couple of passes defensed in the Super Bowl. He was an All-American at LSU. He's hosting the Jalen Mills Celebrity Softball Game. It is Saturday in Redding, Pennsylvania. My guest is Jalen Mills. Jalen, good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm great. It's good to have you on the show, Jalen. Now, when you and I talked last September, we talked about your road to the NFL and the fact that you were overlooked. You proved a lot of people wrong. And now, less than one year later, you are a Super Bowl champion. You're the Green Goblin. You're well on your way to becoming a household name. So let me start right here. What is life like for Jalen Mills these days? <laughs> Man, it's crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy just for the simple fact that, you know, um, about Philadelphia, you know, that first Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, my hair is green, <laughs> so I can't, I can't, I can't go, I can't go too many places. You know what I mean? Without getting recognized, unless I have a hoodie or a hat on. You know what I mean? But I mean, for sure, man, it's 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 a wonderful experience, man. I think it 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 just shows, you know, what hard work and dedication, you know, where it gets you. Jalen Mills, my guest, you mentioned Philadelphia. I mean, it's a city that's been waiting so long for a championship. So what's it been like being around in that city and seeing fans celebrate after winning the Super Bowl? How much love are you feeling from that town? Man, as, as much as you can get, man. It doesn't matter where you go. It can be um, uh, from going to the gas station all the way from going to to a high-end restaurant, man. It, it doesn't matter, man. The fans are everywhere. The fans are crazy, and they just – uh, you repeatedly hear, I repeatedly hear, man, you don't know what you did for the city. You don't know what, even you, what you did for my family. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, a love that, you know, that it's really a match right now. now Jalen, you're a young guy and you're just starting in your career. So you've got a lot of football left. I wonder, do you think that in that town it's always going to be like that? Do you think it's always going to be like that? You have no idea what you did for this city, like 20 years out? Or do you think at some point those same fans might be saying, what have you done for us lately? I think it's a mixture of both. You know what I mean? I think it's the the team that we had, we were we were so we were so tight and it it was the season was so special, especially with everything that we had to go through, you know, as far as the adversity, the injuries, you know what I mean, uh the type of games that we had to overcome and, and people saying, you know, what we could and couldn't do. So I think as far as that part, you know, people saying you don't have no idea what you've done for the city, you know what I mean? That's gonna always be there. But at the same time, you know I mean, this is a this is a blue card blue-collar city. I mean, it's nothing but hard workers, and, and they're passionate about their football. So it's all, I think, on the on the opposite end of that, especially this season, I mean, especially coming off the season that we just had, of course, I mean, they're going to be hungry for more, just like we are. Jalen Mills joining us. All right, so earlier this month, the team received its Super Bowl ranks. You made the point that you never won anything in high school, and while you won bowl games at LSU, you did not win a national championship. So what was that red carpet ceremony like, and what did it feel like when you finally got that ring? It was amazing, man. Um, we honestly, I kid you not, we knew nothing about how the ceremony was going to be set up besides that um, it was a warehouse, uh, an abandoned warehouse that they ended up renovating the inside and the outside of it, and that 
where the address was. That was it. Hmm. They gave us the address on a parking pass, and that was literally it. You know I mean, so when I showed up, see the cameras out there. You see, I mean, it was it was almost like a red carpet affair. Um, as far as you know, how we walked in, man, I was just amazed. Man, I just kept saying like, "Wow, this is amazing. This is crazy." You know I mean, I'm so surprised, man. It was it was it was really really special, man. For sure. Listen, you might not have known what to expect, but knowing you, you were prepared and you got ready for it. In fact, you showed up to the ring presentation with a killer look. It was one that had people on Twitter comparing you to The Rock. So first off, were you intentionally going for The Rock's look? And then secondly, what was your reaction when he said you wore it better? No, I, I actually wasn't. Uh, I actually wasn't. I was um I was in the mall one day. Um, that's that's actually a shirt that I have. Uh, I ended up getting maybe like um, two three weeks ago. But I never, you know, you just go in the mall and you're like, man, that's a nice shirt. But I don't know where I would wear it to. Right. Um, they're not even thinking about when I got it about the ring ceremony. So I was going through my closet um, a couple of days before the ring ceremony. I was like, man, you know what? I won't go for a nice sleek look. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to dress up too much in a suit. And I was like, I'm gonna wear that shirt. And when I wore the shirt, of course, the guys on the team they were joking to me about it. And then, like you said, Twitter blew up about it. And then, the, and then the Rock ended up commenting back. It just, it just, everything just ended up working out together, man. Like I said, the night was crazy. Uh, it was a beautiful night, man, and, and, and that ended up happening as well. The Thursday version of the Daily Jungle podcast is brought to you by Fan Exchange. Are you thinking about buying tickets to your favorite sports, concert, or theater event? Maybe you want to experience a basketball game courtside rather than on your couch. The weekend is coming up. Do something fun. Do something different. Be a hero. Be a legend. Grab some tickets to a game or a show. Head on over to FanExchange.com for a safe, easy, and reliable experience. Tickets purchased on FanExchange are always guaranteed, so there's no getting to the gate and having to worry about getting in. So whether it's MLB, wrestling, or even a Broadway musical, FanExchange gets you closer to all the action. Find the very best seats at the best prices at FanExchange.com and use the promo code ROME. Promo code Rome and get 50% off the service fees on your next purchase. Fan Exchange. We have tickets. We're talking to Jalen Mills, and then you got the ring, right? The ring is the thing. There have been so many amazing players that never got a chance to play for a ring, or so many amazing players that did get a chance but never got the ring. So when you look at yours right now, what do you see? What does the ring represent to you? Man, every 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 hardship that I had to go through in my life, like I said, from Pee Wee junior high, high school, college. I never won anything um, big. You know what I mean? Never won no type of little league championship, junior high, high school, national championship in college, nothing. You know what I mean? So I think um, it, it just shows, you know what I mean, if, if if you just stay hungry but you stay humble, you know what I mean, that's where it gets you, you know what I mean? Um, and I look at it every day. You know I mean, literally, I look at it every day. And uh, it just reminds me, you know, what it took. Um, to get there, and the fact that I know what it what it took, and even our team, we knew we knew what it took. I think that's just going to make us, you know, even even better as a team, as a unit, and me as an individual. We're talking to Jalen Mills. You know, Jalen, you told PFT yesterday that Carson Wentz looked like Carson Wentz in seven on seven drills. What did you see from him that made you feel that way? Man, him see him. See, I mean, of course, it's not a pass rush, and he's not getting flushed out of the pocket or anything like that. But I mean, him him standing up tall in the pocket like he usually does. You know what I mean? Him him going through all of his reads, all of his progressions, and not just staring the guy down. You know what I mean? Worrying worrying about you know how his knees going to be feeling. You know what I mean, him going through all his progressions, and when he gets the opportunity, and, and 
And our defense, well, we we swarm to the ball now, so those windows are tight. You know, what I mean, him him throwing the ball in those tight windows and and, and trusting himself. So uh, I think for sure, me seeing that, um, that that was that was really really big for me because I know the type of person he is and how much it means to our team. So you like what you see? Do you get the sense that he'd be ready to go for the season opener against Atlanta? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, as, as far as his arm, yeah, he, I mean, he's throwing the ball, you know what I mean? But at the same time, um, we all know the type of quarterback Carson is, you know what I mean? Carson, um, he, he is a pocket quarterback, but he also, you know, he likes to, when, when times come, he was he got known for extending plays with his league. You know I mean, that's when the magic happened with Carson, you know what I mean? So as far as that goes, um, I think we'll probably see, you know, um, the more when we get into camp, if they do, you know, let them run around a little bit more, um, so I think that a better answer for that will come when we get to count. You got it. Jalen Mills, my guest. Let me ask you about high school really quickly, but not football. I want to talk to you about soccer. You played soccer in high school. You recently spent yep. some time at the U.S. team practice, and then you went to the game against Bolivia. What was that experience like? Uh, it was crazy. You know what I mean? Um, like I, said, I, I ended up falling in love with soccer late, you know what I mean, in my senior year. And I kind of wished I had played it you know when I was younger you know what I mean so uh, me just actually going out there and um, being a professional myself and actually going out and see other professional athletes you know perfect their craft and go out there and practice and have fun man that was amazing on the other end of that the game man they, it was 3-0 the young guys are out there having fun you know what I mean you can tell that they're hungry man and I and I really I really really enjoyed it man it was it was eye-opening for sure hey do you think if you had gotten an earlier start and didn't wait till your senior year that you might be playing on that national team Oh, 100%. I would have no choice. <laughs> I would have no choice. I, I love soccer, man. It's crazy. It's a, I love the sport, man. I love everything that's going on right now with the World Cup and stuff. All right, you're giving back, too. You've got your celebrity softball game coming up on Saturday at First Energy Stadium in Reading. You've got some big-time players coming. How are you as a softball player, and who are some of the other guys that you're expecting to show up? Um, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty decent. You know, I played in Carson softball game. You know, uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a couple of hits. You know, I mean, a couple of... So I did. I did good. I scored a couple times, but uh, um, I think you know as far as it goes. You know, I mean, we got a got a couple guys coming down. You know, a couple of my LSU guys, Corn Alexander. You know, Duke Riley's coming. You know, from Philadelphia. Um, we expect you know, uh, JP's coming. Um, Ashan should show up as well. Uh, a couple of the guys, Corey Clement, is coming in. Um, I mean, we're just gonna go out there and have fun, man. Compete um, and, and 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 go out there and give our fans a show. Jalen, that's what my man Clay Matthews thought until he took one off his face. Oh, it's yeah. all fun and games, man, until somebody turns one around on you. Was that not the craziest thing you ever saw in one of those games? Yeah, it is, man. I'm gonna kinda I'm gonna kinda use Carson's idea. We had a uh, a non player be the slow pitch guy, but also at the same time he was behind the net. So we we we're definitely gonna have to do that just because we wanna protect everybody out there. We want it. We want to leave the game with no injuries, you know, no bruises, no anything. You know what I mean? Just smiles and, and high fives. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Really really yeah. quickly, you mentioned the LSU guys. What about the LSU family? You, Jamal Adams, Leonard Fournette, all proud members of that LSU family. And you were all recently tweeting about running those 110-yard sprints back in the day. What were those workouts like, and were they tougher physically or mentally? Man, you it's, there's nothing in the world that I think that you can – Train yourself, you know, exhaust yourself out to 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 prepare for those, man. I think they're they're going they're going to be deadly. You know what I mean, regardless the 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 humidity out there is crazy. We're probably out there running. It's it's a hundred plus degrees out there. I mean, the only thing that you got to keep you going is is 
is your brother next to you. You know what I mean? So I think as far as that goes, we were just pushing each other. I mean, as you've seen in the picture, we looked at dog tired, but nobody's going to quit because the, the guy next to us was pushing us, man. So I think that's just, you know, shows even now you see us in the NFL, how, how, how tight we are, you know, around the league still. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons why, because we went through those hardships together. He was an All-American at LSU. He is now a Super Bowl champion. And a big day coming up on Saturday, the Jalen Mills Celebrity Softball Game, Saturday in Reading, Pennsylvania. Jalen, great to have you back, man. Congrats on the championship, and it's nice to have you on the show. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. It is summertime, middle of baseball season. One of the all-time mind-numbing debates has always been, how do you take your hot dog? And for whatever reason, people get all fired up about that. How do you take your hot dog? Purists will say that mustard is the only way to go. Mustard and mustard only. The Midwest, I've heard, likes it with a pickle spear and nuclear green relish. L.A. street vendors will go with a strip of bacon wrapped around that hot dog. New York will tell you, kraut and spicy brown. Kathy McVeigh of Pennsylvania, though, will say right off the face. That's because poor old Kathy was at the Phillies Cards game on Monday night when the Philly fanatic fired a Frank from his cannon and absolutely detonated her mug. Blew it up. This innocent soul was minding her own business as a paying customer at the yard and looked up just in time to get nuked with an errant laser hot dog right in her eye. And she's got a hell of a black and blue shiner to prove it. My gal looks like she went 12 rounds with that hot dog and lost. Here's a sentence I never thought I'd say, but if you thought a bun and a sausage couldn't really hurt anyone, frankly... Think again. Frankly. Yeah, Brian. I mean, trust me, this is not what Kathy McVeigh wanted to be known for. Monday night at the Phillies uh. game, she got hit right between the eyes by a hot dog fired from the Fanatics hot dog cannon. The injury's bad enough she got sent to the emergency room. I never thought a hot dog would, could hurt. Keep in mind, the Fanatics hot dogs are wrapped in duct tape, and one landed squarely between McVeigh's eyes. Bam. It, like, hit me like a, a ton of bricks. My glasses flew. Kathy McVeigh loves the Phillies and doesn't plan to take legal action. And yes, she does understand if her story gets a few laughs. It gives people a good laugh, and if that makes somebody chuckle, then that's fine. Kathy is the best. Well, actually, my man from the Action 6 news crew in Philly, at the beginning of that report, getting off an all-time local news pun is the best. If you thought a bun and a sausage couldn't really hurt anyone, frankly, think again. (laughs) Oh, boy, went there. He went there, frankly. Frankly. Those are the kinds of lines that a local TV news anchor lives for. Those are the kind of lines that bring home the Emmys. How would I know? I've never won one. Maybe I need to mix in more things like that. You also got to love the field reporter reassuring everybody that Kathy did not want her life legacy to be... Wearing a hot dog off the face. Trust me, this is not what Kathy McVeigh wanted to be known for. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that up, Action 6. Because for a second I was starting to think, man, you know what I think Kathy wants? I don't know, Kathy, but I have to think that Kathy wants what we all want. To be known for getting blasted in the face with a hot dog. But, and do not sleep on this... 
Did you catch the part about how the cannon dogs were wrapped and how they were wrapped? Keep in mind, the Fanatics hot dogs are wrapped in duct tape. Wrapped in duct tape. Why not just shoot bricks and brass cannons or knuckles out of that cannon? Why not just go all the way and fire off actual cannon balls from that weapon of mass destruction? Because not only does a duct-taped hot dog sound incredibly painful to take off of the mug, it sounds pretty freaking disgusting too. Like, can't wait to mow down this Frank once I get all this duct tape off it. But if you're going to blast some poor old lady in the face with a cannon dog, at least you found the sweetest poor old lady in the world because you heard her say it herself. She's not suing. She's laughing. Kathy McVeigh loves the Phillies and doesn't plan to take legal action. It gives people a good laugh, and if that makes somebody chuckle, then that's fine. <laughs> I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing with her. She is a great person. How many of you would have that happen to you and then react to it like that? And then how many of you would try to be suing the team for that going down? I'm going to say all of you. You'd see dollar signs, and she sees a way to make other people happy. Kathy McVeigh. Love Kathy McVeigh. What a champ. Nearly decapitated by a hot dog. Best case scenario, she only loses an eye. But giving the green light for the rest of the universe to laugh at her? We need more Kathy McVeighs out there. And the only thing that can make this story even more ridiculous is the Phillies telling Action 6 News that the fanatic feels terrible, which is what they did. Because how could any of us sleep at night without knowing that a mascot shows remorse? Never mind that a mascot can't talk because it's a mascot. But apparently, the mascot can't talk. Like, how do we know the mascot has remorse if the mascot can't talk? Apparently, the mascot can feel. And then somehow communicate those feelings to their employer to pass along to the local news. Perfect. Now, for what it's worth, the team has offered Kathy tickets to a game in the future. (laughs) That's pretty big. Kathy, we're really sorry that you nearly lost an eye with that duct tape hot dog. But here are tickets to one game in the future. Hey, Kathy, we're really sorry about that very unfortunate uh, happenstance. Would you like to come attend batting practice one night? Hey, would you like to watch this on TV? Would you like an autographed picture of the fanatic who nearly cost you an eye? Anyway, if they're going to let her come to another game, they better make sure that she's behind all that new safety netting. If the big green Philly fanatic wheels out that death cannon once again. Or in the very least, update all those stickers on the seat backs at the yard which say, beware of balls, bats, and duct-taped cannon dogs leaving the field to play. Because even Jeff Passan can agree, worse than taking a dog with ketchup is taking a dog off of the face. Head on a swivel or sausage to the face. If you thought a bun and a sausage couldn't really hurt anyone, frankly... 
Think again. When you're doing a simulcast every single day, there is a ton to keep track of. Commercial breaks, clocks, guest lists, phone numbers. We trust all that information to the new Post-It Extreme Notes. New Post-It Extreme Notes are water-resistant. They're made with Durahold paper and adhesive, so they'll stick to anything. Concrete, drywall, raw wood, even brick. So no matter what the task on the job site is, you can get your message across with new Post-It Extreme Notes. Buy them today wherever you get your Post-It Notes. Mike Daniels is my guest. Mike, great to have you back. How are you? Good. How you doing, Jim? Good, Mike. I'm great. It's so good to have you back. Listen, there are a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but let me start with the most important topic of all, Super Smash Brothers and playing the new game against a pro. What was that whole experience like for you? Oh, wow. So that experience was incredible. I had an opportunity to play with Ember Moon, who's a phenomenal WWE superstar, and Olivia Holt, who's an actress, and she plays uh, a rather obscure but really cool Marvel character, Dagger, in the new series, Cloak and Dagger. So to be able to meet them and hang with them was really cool. And playing against the pro was unlike anything. Uh, we played against Nairo, and he's a really good really good smash player you know we uh we trade information and uh i'm looking forward to uh to playing against him again i said you you have to teach me man you gotta teach me how to be a pro because i love super smash brothers it's been one of my favorite games since the first one came out back in the 90s i love it game respects game mike daniels is my guest all right then that's the important stuff let's get over to football right now the team missed the playoffs mike last year for the first time since 08 but went out and made a number of changes in the offseason to the coaching staff and the roster. So you've got guys like Jimmy Graham, Muhammad Wilkerson coming in, Byron Bell, Mercedes Lewis. And as you've said, this looks great on paper, but how does it look on the field so far? It's been, it's been looking really good. It's been looking really good. The, the defense has had the upper hand over the offense for the first time during this time of the year since I've been here. And I think that's really a testament to the new scheme and the the guys that we've brought in. And I'm just really looking forward to when the pads come on to really see how good we can be because Aaron and the offense, those guys, they're they're tough. They're tough to go against. And for us to have the edge on them right now is is, is very uh is very promising and I'm looking forward to continue to improve. Mike Daniels, my guest, you mentioned Aaron. As long as you bring him up, you know, we've talked about like how guys approach the game mentally. You said last year Aaron Rodgers was, quote, on the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour, and that was before he got hurt, and this year he's taken that up to 11. So what does the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour look like? And if it's at an even higher level, how worried would you be if you're an opposing defense? So for me, personally, I don't worry about anybody. But <laughs> you still have to plan for Aaron Rodgers and that's a lot of planning because he's one of the greatest so for our opponents out there I would not want to be them Mike Daniels joining us all right then you know Mike you mentioned the new scheme you got Mike Pettin he's your new D coordinator and Joe Thomas who played for him in Cleveland said that he's looking forward to seeing how you eat up offensive lines in Pettin's scheme what's it been like working with the new defense coordinator and how do you think that defense is going to show up when it matters yeah, to hear that from a guaranteed Hall of Famer, one of the best left tackles ever do this, that, that means a lot to come from a guy like Joe, and I, I thanked him for that on Twitter. But uh, for, to, to answer your question here with so – I mean, I had to get that out there. But to answer your question here, 
Joe Top, or uh, excuse me, Coach Penn, it's it's fun. It's really fun. It's tough, gritty football. Uh, kill, you know, keep it likable, learnable. And I've, I've been enjoying myself. I'm, I mean, I'm just having an absolute blast. And so is the rest of the defense. I, like I said, when the, when the pads come on, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun days. Right now we can't hit. So you just run around in your underwear. But when the pads come on, we're really going to see uh, how his scheme looks. I know that I'm having a lot of fun. I can see where the playmaking opportunities are taken up to 11 in this new scheme. And that's for everybody across the board. So it should be a really fun year. Mike Daniels, my guest. You know, Mike, you always have fun. I mean, I got the sense when you and I were talking in the week of Super Bowl. I'm getting the sense right now when you and I are talking. You're a guy who always has fun. But at the same time, when the pads do come on, I've also heard you say, quote, I want to make the guy across from me remember me for a bunch of bad things. So let me ask you this. From a mental approach standpoint, is it enough to beat the guy in front of you or do you need to destroy and ruin the guy in front of you mentally and physically? The goal is to destroy and ruin the guy across from me mentally and physically. That's that's it. It's a tough competitive game for tough competitive people. It's not for nice guys. Well, let me rephrase that. It's not for you to bring your nice guy attitude when you step onto the football field. Nice people can play football, but when you get onto the field, you have to take a different personality. It's it's a it's a battle. It's a war zone. It's either you or him. And last time I checked, I refuse to let somebody else take me out. So I have to make sure that going into each game, I know my opponent better than he knows himself. I want to know every single thing I possibly can know about this person and the way he plays the game of football. So then that way I can formulate the best plan of attack and defense possible so that I can dominate. And that's what it's all about. If you can dominate, then people will remember you and they'll respect you. Mike Daniels, my guest. You know, Mike, going back a few minutes when you said, look, I don't concern myself with the other guys so much because you know what you're going to do. I bring this up because Larry Warford of the Saints said that whenever he gets ready to face you on a Sunday, he always tries to get in a few extra squats, a few more bench press reps. Are there any offensive linemen in particular who get your attention, you know, above and beyond, the guys who you know it's going to be a battle with all day long, every single play? Larry's definitely one of those guys, and I respect everybody I play against. Sure. I don't care if you're an all-pro, ever you've been in the field like Zach Martin, a guy like Larry who's been a very tough competitor, which was first Pro Bowl this year, or a rookie. Like, I'm going to see you a couple times this season. It doesn't matter. I'm going to give you the utmost respect, and the best way for me to give you the utmost respect is by preparing for you like as if this is going to be the last game that I'll ever play against. And as a competitor, that's the best gift I can give to my opponent is a full day's work. So I treat everybody the same. I treat them all the same. Mike Daniels, my guest. You're right. I mean, you don't prepare. If you don't respect somebody, you're not going to prepare. Now, you were voted number 93 in the NFL's top 100 players. It's kind of curious to me. What was your reaction when you saw that ranking? I was just glad that I was on the list again. I was extremely thankful to be on that list three times in a row. I see how many guys that have been on the list before that when they're, they get to talking about them, they show up on the list and they show their rankings and they show their last year's ranking and it has those two bars that indicate that they weren't ranked last year. 
that lets me know, like, man, I've seen this person ranked before, and they weren't ranked last year. I'm, this is my third year in a row being ranked. So regardless of where I was ranked, I'm just incredibly thankful that I made the list again. Now, with that being said, obviously I dropped a few spots, and that's got to change. And I'm going to make sure that changes by having a better year this year. Huh. All right, so, then. Two things. I was grateful, and I knew, and I know that I have a lot more work to do. Got it. One more thing about that. In the video that goes along with the announcement, uh, your teammates, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, both said that at first they didn't know what to make of you because when they were rookies, they'd be walking back to the huddle in practice and you'd give them a little chip. Is that really how it is? What do you like with your own teammates? Is that how you are with your own teammates? Absolutely. The during, during practice, it's, it's dog-eat-dog out there. If you can't fight with your brother, how are you going to be able to go against the guy that you don't like? And that's my mentality, especially we had rookies, and I know they were young running backs, and they had to get welcomed to the NFL. And I wanted to make sure that I welcomed them before any other defensive tackle in this league can. They're the, we face the, some of the best defensive tackles in the NFL year in and year out. And I wanted to make sure that, okay, these young guys, I'm going to make sure you guys are ready for what you're going to see out there on Sunday. And I'm going to make sure that I'm the worst thing that you ever face so that – when you go out there and you play against another defense, oh, man, you're saying, oh, man, these guys aren't as bad as the guys I go against in practice. And that's, that, that has to be the, the mentality. And likewise with the offense. I always tell the offensive scout team, I say, bring it. Give everything you have. Don't brother-in-law, don't hold back. We're going full tilt because I need a great look. And I'll be doing my brother across me a disservice by not trying to get after him during practice. Green Bay Packer, Mike Daniels, my guest, which brings me to my last point. All right, so the kids coming up, they're learning to play football. They're learning to play the game the right way. You're hosting your second annual youth football camp in Blackwood, New Jersey, at your alma mater, Highland Regional High School. So what's it like for you, given what you've accomplished, to go back to your high school, and is this the type of lesson and message you're going to teach these kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our camps are always geared towards really interacting with the kids and teaching them the fundamentals of playing the game of football and, more importantly, how to be a great man or woman. And as a, as a football player, we really emphasize being a competitor, being a, a good competitor, a healthy competitor, not a spoiled winner, not a spoiled loser, knowing that you're not going to do things right. That comes with them getting coached and getting corrected, knowing that you are going to do a lot of things right. That's when they get corrected and they make those corrections, really encouraging them and keeping their spirits high and getting the whole group to clap for uh, each other and really a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of uplifting. So it's, it's, it's a lot of humility and it's a lot of uh, character building at the same time. And I always tell the coaches and I tell them, I want these kids walking away feeling like that they could take your job in the NFL. So make these guys feel special. Teach them and really, really, really give your all to each and every kid that you coach. And, and I want kids to walk away feeling fulfilled and really appreciating the experience because it's all about giving back. i got to ride this wave, and it's a good wave, the smack-off wave. I told you on Tuesday that we turned the page on the National Radio Hall of Fame campaign, and now we would start an all-out blitz to the finish line on Smack Off 24. Because right here, right now, we stand 29 days away from the main event.
29 days is not to be confused with 29 shows. It's not one of the same. 29 days. Your chance to go legend. Your chance to rip the title as King of Smack. Your chance to line your pockets with five grand. Cold, hard cash. It's coming up fast. You're running out of time. It is your chance to join the fraternity of champions. It's less than a month away. So if you're invited... Now is the time to flex. Get your reps in. Now is the time to RSVP. If you're still on the outside looking in, now is your chance to dial me up and rip a golden ticket. Get qualified. The clock is spinning quickly. Now, I did mention the Fraternity of Champions. It is a very exclusive club. We're coming up on Smack Off 24. Smack Off 24, but... The club only has 14 members. 14 members. I've been doing this thing for nearly three decades, and that is a club of 14. And that number's going to stay the same if Leff and Laguna can go three-peat. He's not only the latest champ, he's the back-to-back champ. He's the double champ. Leff has been the last one to get behind that velvet rope and into the club since 2016. The first dude in, JT the Brick. JT the Brick's a cat who's had his feet kicked up in our version of Butler Cabin for the past 23 years. Now, I don't think that JT and Lef have ever met. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. It doesn't really matter. They're in the same club. That's what makes the Smack Off so unique and so special. They share that common bond. Two kings of Smack separated by more than two decades. Now, if you're wondering, and even myself, I am. I thought back. What was the style of JT's call back then? How was it different from Smack in 2018? What did JT's call sound like that got him a job in this industry? What has left done the last couple of years to go back to back? Did the Smack Off winner sound different in 95 than the winner in 2017? Well, in a word, yes. In two words, hell yes. So today, let's take a look at the bookends of this extremely exclusive club. Let's look at 95. Let's look at 17. Let's start with the call from the brick, the one that took the smack off in the very first year, something that used to be called the Great American Smack Off. Vance Smack, what an honor to be a part of the first annual Great American Smack Off. Today, the jungle proves that there are a few Tarzans. The rest are a bunch of cheetah chimps who wish they had game like I. Don't forget where my loyalty lies. The greatest city, the deepest tradition, and the best smack comes from New York and the bricks. When the earthquake hit, I didn't pick up the fish wrap to read about the damage. I looked to the box scores to see if the Knicks pulled out another gutty win. I have a passion to see Cal Ripken rupture a kidney this season than to see him break my beloved Lou Gehrig's record. Rome, I've made a lot of friends in the jungle. I'm psyched about that. So now all you rotisserie geeks can put your pens down. I'm not going to read you a top ten list of who I think has game. It's already understood. 
You know, when the strike went down, I didn't feel for the working stiff whose only job in life was to mop up the bathroom floor after I missed the urinal. Who cares about the 70-year-old grandma who serves beer at a pathetically slow pace so I have to miss two full innings of baseball? I felt for Don Mattingly, who was going to participate in his first postseason. Or well, how about the kids? Does anybody care about the kids who can name more Power Rangers than pro baseball players? When the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, after 54 years, you have no idea how I felt. It wasn't like the Raiders winning a preseason road game or the Cuervo Gold Beach Volleyball Championship. It's much bigger than that. It's a passion. It's my life. That's why I brought the word of the jungle to such great events as Mardi Gras and down under the Sydney, Australia, just to name a few. I can do this because I give my girlfriend cheap costume jewelry so I can road trip anytime I want. Today is a celebration of smash. Everybody in the jungle has different styles. I compare my experience to when I pledged my fraternity back in college. For the first few months, I was a punk who had to wait on hold and pick and choose my spots to smack. Now I feel like the pledge master who gets to spank the new plebes on the butt while they say, thank you, JT the Brick. Can I please have another? There it is. The first winning call. Smack off number one. A lot to like there. A New York transplant living in SoCal telling the world that he reached for the paper the day after the Northridge quake not to read the damage reports but to check a Knicks box score. A guy who shamelessly admitted wanting to see Cal Ripken Jr. rupture a kidney rather than break his beloved Lou Gehrig's record. And it's high-level smack. It does hold up. And it appeals to a faction of the audience who wants smack off callers to stick to sports takes, or at least have more sports takes. He was all sports takes. And ripping the event back in 95, launched his career, where he's still going strong right now, with a nationally syndicated program. So that was then, this is now. JT and Leff could not be more different. JT was straight sports. Leff is straight theater. Here's part of Leff's 2017 smack-off winning call. Jimmy, the Carson Chargers open up camp tomorrow, and they're playing their home games on a soccer field. I mean, does that mean Joey Bosa and the boys are going to go door-to-door selling cookie dough to raise money for shin guards? I mean, Romy, I can handle Phil Rivers spinning a perfect two-handed overhead spiral to a wide-open striker, but I'm not down with Ed Hockley in extra medium shorts, you know, flaunting those bulging biceps of his. And, Romy, as you can see, I'm, I'm keeping it totally old school today. I've dropped all the gimmicks. Whitey hit it. Hacksaw, that's your cue. Three, two, one. That's right, Bluff. I'm Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and I want to talk Chargers soccer with you. Urine bombs, flutter guns. I want to hear from you, parent tunnels, bleacher fires. Looking at you, soccer mom. Show me your lightning bolts. Corner kick me a phone call. The knife. He broke out the butter knife for his call. That's an epic pull for so many different reasons. And one of the highlights of the call that ran out to 10 minutes last year. But the knife cameo was just a warm-up for an all-time stunt that will probably never, ever, ever be topped. Uh, Jim, uh, being a star actor in the jungle uh, just means you're a failed smack runner. Uh, Pervy Alvey, uh, O.J. Kilder, uh, Studio Stormy. Hey, 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 don't go pissing your pants, kid. What the hell happened? You lose your place in a damn script. In my day, we didn't even use scripts. Well, but, but, but aren't you... Terrence and Sarah Madre. Yeah, yeah. So what? But, but I thought you were... Dead? No, legends never die, kid, unless you're Burt Corona. You killed that guy last year. <laughs> hey, this is your big chance. 
You know what an honor it is to be in the pole position and go back-to-back? Unless you're that cow-tipping redneck, Mike and Indy, or his lackey, Shale. Hey, if he fought Mayweather under MMA rules, he'd still get his ass kicked. That guy's going to end up wrestling bears at the carnival. Okay? Hey, listen, kid. I got your back. You know that 1996 Sports Illustrated picture of all those clones with Jim? They all got your back, too, kid. You can count on it. The, the 1996 SI photo shoot, I mean, do you mean to tell me that Joe and Lemon Grove, Dave the Mayor and Poway, Rich and Anaheim Hills, Silk, I Ray, Trapper, and Jim Benton, the Detolas, and Raider Mike, all of my back? But, but I thought they were dead, too. I told you, kid. Legends never die. Besides, they're not dead. They're just dead from the neck up. They can still walk around and pose for a picture now and then. Come on, now. Well, well Jim, I think that's them walking into the studio right now. What you just heard was Terrence and Sierra Madre appearing on Left's Call, a guy literally we thought was dead. I thought he was dead. To let the new school Laguna Beach bully know that the legends from yesteryear did in fact have his back. And at the end of the clip, you can hear Left say, here they come now. Then the studio filled up with guys that I have not seen or heard from in years. Guys that were a part of a legendary Sports Illustrated photo shoot from the 1990s. I mean, it was amazing. Of course, some of you think that Left won because he's, quote, a gimmicky little bitch. Take nothing away from Left. It was incredible. It was incredible. The planning that went behind that call is remarkable, and he ripped his second title for it. He's gone back-to-back. Maybe you love this guy. Maybe you hate this guy. Honestly, that's the way every single champ should be. Love him or hate him, you better respect him, and he is still the guy to beat because he's gone back-to-back. Those who hate him think he's a gimmicky little bitch. Again, not my words, but Brad in Coronas. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe not. But how about this? How about this? How has this thing evolved? The event, the way it's evolved. I mean, that's straight theater right there. But it started with straight smack. Those two calls could not have been any more different, and they both worked. And the division that this creates is what the smack-off is all about. Styles make fights. Styles make fights. Every smack-off caller between 95 and 2017 has had their own style. That's what makes the smack-off the best fight there is. That's why it's imperative to have your own style. JT had his. Left has his. You already know that Brad, Mike, Vic, Chael, Iafrady, they have theirs. Dudes coming in, throwing from all angles. And in the end, one will always stand above the rest. So, the question is... Whose style is going to win this fight? 29 days till we find out. You're running out of time. Do you want in? We are joined by Dwayne Casey. Dwayne, great to have you on. How are you? Doing fine, Jim. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Coach. Great to have you on. Now let me just jump right into it because I know you had a number of options in front of you, which included the possibility of maybe sitting out for a year, unwinding, but your wife Brenda said that you were not built to sit on the side. Was there any doubt in your mind that you want to jump right back into coaching? Uh, well, it's a little bit. Just because of, of my children, uh, Jim, you know, I've got two young kids that, you know, as you know, being in coaching, you're away from them quite a bit, and not a lot of times in, in your coaching career you have the opportunity to to do that. So that uh, teased me a little bit. But then meeting with Tom Gore, uh, who is a dynamic owner, dynamic salesman, he's a people person. He really, really is looking to 
get the you know program back on track. Uh, and Stan had done a great job. Stan Van Gundy did an excellent job of creating a, a foundation here in in uh, in Detroit. <clears throat> and and so it it wasn't like it was a a bad situation. So if I'm going to get back in coaching, there's not a better situation to be in with players like Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, some young kids, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard. So it is a very, you know, a well-stocked situation. And uh, so, you know, that was very enticing. And then talking with Tom Gore, I put it over the edge. So, um, it, it was a little bit of tinge there, but uh, it was too many positives on this side of the fence to, to walk away from it. Dwayne Casey joining <clears> us. <throat> and Dwayne, you mentioned a number of the guys that you're going to inherit. You've got Blake Griffin. You've got Andre Drummond. You've got Reggie Jackson. You made it very clear during the press conference that these are guys that we can win with right now. We're not going to wait. How quickly do you think you can get this thing turned around? Well, again, you know, I'm not going to put a number on it, Jim, but as far as winning games, I think, the number one thing we want to do is establish the way we want to play. Uh, defensively, uh, they were a solid defensive team. Can they get better? Yes. You know, there's a lot. You know, some things we'll do differently, hopefully, to to impact the defensive end. But the biggest uh, change we want to make is on the offensive end. Uh, you know, utilize the three point line more, uh, and it, that may look a little painful there for a little bit until we get that as part of our offensive approach. But we got to really, because they were fifth last year in three-point uh, shooting percentage. And they, they were like 16th or 17th in attempts. So we got to get those attempts up, uh, you know, and, and as we did in Toronto. And uh, it wasn't pretty early, but it, sooner, sooner or later it kicked in and really, really made us more an efficient offensive team, and that's what we want to do here. And Dwayne, you talked about the meeting you had with the owner. Now, that meeting went on for about six hours. I'm curious, how much of that conversation for six hours was about scheme and approach, and then how much of that was about a shared vision and a shared passion? The, a little, you're exactly right. It was probably uh, 60 on the uh, uh, common vision and common passion, and the, uh, the other part of it, 40%, was on the on the team because, you know, I talked about the team with Estefanski and, and Arn Tellum uh, before I went and met with Tom. So uh, it was more about us being on the same page with the vision, what he expected, which, you know, he wants to win and wants to win, you know, now. And he wanted to know how, I, you know, plan to approach it. Uh, so, but again, it was more to get to know each other as men with the vision of, of we had for, that I had for the Detroit organization uh and again not only that jim uh tom has a huge vision uh for the city of detroit downtown detroit and i don't know if you know a lot about it but the the renaissance there's a huge renaissance going on the restructuring revitalization of downtown detroit is ongoing and he wants to be a big part of that and uh he wants to be involved in that in the urban urban part of detroit and uh, I, I share that vision because, you know, we, I want to do as much as I can for the inner cities and the city of Detroit uh, from a, a social standpoint also, and that, that's something we talked about too. You bet. Detroit Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey is my guest. Now, Dwayne, you mentioned Toronto. <clears throat> I know you. I know you're looking forward and you're not looking back. They did let you go after a 59-win season. After you won the Coach of the Year award, as voted on by your peers, so what was your reaction to the decision, and do you feel like you got a fair shake? 
Well, <clears throat> the thing about it, you're, there's nobody that wants to be fired, Jim. There's nothing that you want to do to say, hey, I, please fire me, especially after the good season we had. Uh, it hurt. It, it was, I was disappointed. But at the same time, you know, as a coach, that's part of the, the, the part of the territory. Uh, you got to get back on the horse and get back in the saddle and uh, ready to go again. And I did. But again, it hurts. You never feel like it's, it's fair. But, you know, life is not fair sometimes. But we did win 59 games. We had the best record. We were number one in the East. Uh, again, there's a lot of coaches that didn't overcome Mount LeBron James in, uh, in the playoff series. But I was the one that was fired for it. But. Uh, so whatever the reason, it's not important. It, it happened. I'm not going to look back. That's a, a, a good – I'm looking at the Toronto experience as a, a good experience. I mean, in fact, a great experience for where they come from to where they are now. And, uh, you know, we all have revisionist history, uh, outlooks on things. And But, again, it's always going to be positive from my standpoint. Dwayne Casey joining us. I mean, it really <clears throat> is positive from your standpoint. And the amazing thing about Mount James – Dwayne, is you may have, in fact, actually played a part of this because after game two of the series, he talked about revisiting the 2011 finals when you were an assistant coach at Dallas and how Mm -hmm. your defense made him so uncomfortable that he said, quote, you're part of the reason I am the player I am today, end quote. Is there any part of you that wants to say, hey, LeBron, thanks a lot, but maybe can you stop being the player that you are today? No question, Jim. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, again, it was at a time, it was earlier in his career before he is the player he is today. And, you know, you could do some things to try to slow him down or maybe get him to pause a little bit. You know, that's when the zone defense was really kind of in vogue, so to speak. It was new. And uh, so we tried to utilize that more so to keep him off balance. And and we, we did a decent job. But uh, he's seen so many things today that, you better be daggone good at whatever you do and be solid at it. And you're not going to gimmick him in or, or confuse him now uh, like we you could back then. But, uh, you know, that was, that was a, a thanks but no thanks moment from, from LeBron. But, again, he, he's a tremendous player. And uh, not only do you have to stop him, he's such a willing passer and a great passer. You've got to be uh, men, mentally disciplined to be able to understand where everybody is and what he's trying to uh, accomplished on the offensive end. He was voted as coach of the year by his peers, coming off a 59-win season with Toronto. That was a franchise record. And now with a new opportunity and a new challenge in Detroit, Pistons head coach Dwayne Casey, my guest. Dwayne, so good to have you on. Congrats on that new opportunity. I know you make the most of it. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much, Dwayne. Thank you so much, Jim. Luke, brother, what's going on? How are you? All right, Jim, I'm great. First off, the name Vadi sounds like an abbreviation for vodka, so the dude's parents might need to get to an AA meeting soon. But, uh, Jim, I've always been inspired by the JT the Brick story. It's my dream to work in radio as well, but I work at a restaurant right now. And uh, it's busy. It's not easy to hear or call the show as often as I'd like. When I do have free time, I'm volunteering at a listener-supported radio station in Fort Collins. Hawk has told me that even that can give you the connection and the experience to land a real radio job and that's what I'm after, dude. So uh, I'm sorry I've been out for the smack-off preseason, but when the finals roll around and the title's on the line, I'll be the Willis freaking Reed of the jungle. Later, pimp. All right, Luke. Now you have even more time on your hands because that golden ticket that used to be in your hand is now back in my hand. Give it to me, Alvin. John in New York. 
John, my brother, first of all, man, thank you very much. Can't say how much I appreciate you, and I appreciate you doing that and representing or repping my candidacy like that, man. Thanks, John. What's up? How are you? Jim, that's, Jim, that's a small thing for me to do for you. Thanks a lot for everything you do for us. And uh, I know you didn't have much time to talk about it, but I hope that they bring uh, Justify up to Saratoga and try to do what American Farrow couldn't do up there and win the Travers. So, and it's a nice spot, too, if we get you into the Hall of Fame for you to come up and visit Saratoga as well, Jim. But uh, I wanted to quickly just say uh, to Mr. Slate lookalike up in Buffalo, you know, I saw you on Twitter uh, looking for the so-called legends so you could start trolling them. Maybe you should start with apologies. I apologize for sounding like my twin brother, Jeff and Richmond, and ruining people's lives. I also apologize for making fun of fat chicks. Or maybe you should apologize, Rick, for that scripted garbage you found in Hawk's cat box. I was waiting for the hammer to drop. But luckily for you, Albie was moonlighting again, working on his next legendary call. Dude, dude, stay Rick. Dude, dude. <sighs> yep. And then- oh! You don't like that call. I don't like that call. I'm telling you, man. Not a very good call. We got to do what we got to do. Good night now! We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.